tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Michael Klieger, who is the CEO of online luxury retailer, My Teresa. The company has recently undergone much evolution, including going public in January and launching menswear last year. More recently, it launched resale with Vestier Collective. I wanted to ask Michael about recent changes in luxury shoppers' behavior and how my Teresa is currently competing for their business in the crowded luxury market. Welcome, Michael. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm looking behind you. You've got this great tagline here, and it says, uh, the finest edit in luxury fashion. Talk to me about this, because I know that you carry fewer than 250 brands. To me, that's definitely um, a unique take, as other retailers are really <laughs> uh, trying to, they're, they're taking on tons of brands, and they're leading with, I guess, personalization for the shopper. What's what's your take? Well, our take is that we uh we serve a very special customer group. So um, we always say the journey of our customer starts with an occasion in mind, not with a product in mind. And so if you're looking for an occasional dress or, or, or back to work or heels or whatever, um, you, you don't want to be confronted with 10,000 dresses to choose from. You want someone that already did the hard work. And our buyers do the hard work. They go through the showrooms of the best brands in the world and try to present a selection of fantastic floral dresses so that you, when you go to the garden party, have a choice which takes you three, four websites to scroll through, but not another hour, because why should you do the work if the if the retailer or the platform does the work? That's our view. And then we are only focusing on luxury and if you only focus on luxury, it is by definition a very limited set of brands that you could really count as luxury. And, and then you quickly come to not more than uh, 200, 220 brands in women's wear. What's your definition of luxury? Because I feel like that is changing. It is changing and, and not changing because, I mean, there are true luxury maisons, um, uh, a Valentino, a Saint Laurent, a Prada, a Gucci, um, they have been luxury. They will stay luxury. Um, there have been in the past some, some newcomers, but I have to stress some like, uh, Off-White or Vetements. Um, but even brands that are now more in the forefront, like L'Europiana have a, a heritage that goes well, well back into the past. And so we are based in Europe. And so we have probably a more European way of looking at, at 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 luxury but it is of course sprinkled with cooler new ones like uh, Jacques Mus or, or Attico or uh, Amina Moadi but um, we really love the true luxury part of the business it doesn't seem like a, a strategy for going after Gen Z um, it, who is your shopper is she he and she yeah. are they older what do you know about the demo I mean, we, we know that at the sweet spot for us in, in Europe is 30 to 50 years old. The sweet spot in Asia, 25% of our business is in Asia, is, is more around uh, 25 to 35. So I, I sometimes struggle with purely defining it by age because we always say we serve a customer that has a very mature taste, but mature taste can be 22 can be uh, 55. Um, it is, we are b beyond just street style. 
We are more for the dressed occasion. Dressed doesn't mean classic uh, wardrobe, but it is a more defined silhouette. It is not too baggy. Um, it, it, it shows um, that it is well designed and, 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 and well fabricated and well manufactured. So we have any age, we have a certain type of product. Yes, that makes perfect sense. So tell me about how the last year and a half or so has impacted your strategy, if at all. I know that you said um, the customer shops with an occasion in mind. Uh, maybe that wasn't the case in the last year. No, I mean, it was the case, but with very different occasions. I mean, this is exactly how the pandemic played out for us um, during during the time when, at least in Europe and the U.S., we, we were in lockdowns, meaning restaurants were closed, operas were closed, you couldn't go on vacation. A lot of those occasions vanished, but um, the occasion was to sit at home comfortable. And so categories like cashmere, knitwear, sneakers, slides, um, for the walks that you were still allowed to do, um, those boomed. And now that we are out of the pandemic, I mean, those categories rebound, which are exactly uh, vacation wear, uh, gowns, dresses, going out to weddings, to parties that had been postponed multiple times. And so it's always the occasion, but um, we were faring quite well during the pandemic, and we're also faring quite well now coming out of the pandemic. I mean, we had all the time um, strong growth and strong new customer growth across the globe, even though the pandemic played out quite differently in geographies. Yes. Well, you mentioned the European and the Asian markets. What portion of your customer base is from the U.S.? So the U.S. is still a market where we see a lot of upside potential. In the last quarter, the U.S. made up for 14 percent. Uh, four quarters ago, it was 11 percent. But the U.S., um, and our long-term uh, vision for the U.S. is certainly uh, should be 25% our, of our business because that's the fair share, so to speak, in global luxury. So is the luxury consumer, there's still, there's still much opportunity despite all of the competitors Absolutely. in the space for you. Yeah, they're still slow to go there. <laughs> no, there is opportunity. To go online. There is still opportunity because also the, the consumer is, of course, what the pandemic has done, it, it has changed consumer behavior. I mean, we have seen many customers that for the first time went online. Maybe they would have done it anyway in three years or so, but now they were kind of forced and they tried it and they liked it and they're returning um, and coming back to us. And also, um, I mean, my Teresa offers a different edit, a different curation. You may find brands that you don't find in your local luxury department store in the U.S. Um, we may, you may really like how we select much more out of the runway styles. Um, we have our fashion directors, both on menswear and womenswear, that try to bring the best of the collections. And uh, we've seen customers that said, look, I discovered you because you carried Dries van Norton, but now I, I love, because when I look at what you select from Gucci, it's so different what I see here from Gucci. And that's the point. I mean, Gucci and the other big brands put out huge, put out huge collections. So it's really how you cut through them, how you um, make take priorities makes a huge difference. So are exclusives as important as ever? Are you working with designers and your your partner brands to to ensure your your curation, your selection is is entirely unique? 
I mean, exclusives matter a lot, but I mean, you, the unique curation even happens by virtue of how you bring things together. But on top of that, uh, we are well known in the industry to have the most number of exclusive and capsules just in the last quarter. We had a women's wear capsule with Saint Laurent. We had exclusive styles with Gucci. Uh, and, and, and that is very important for our customers because our customers are real aficionados and they're current, constantly on the hunt for newness, for freshness and for things they haven't seen multiple times somewhere else. So a capsule, an exclusive piece is always a moment for them. Oh, I should look at that. Whether then in the end they buy that ex- exact piece or discover something else in the rest of the collection. That's the fun of it. I mean, inspiration is a big part of a curated platform like ours, whereas when you have a specific product in mind, you go to the large aggregators where you select from 3,500 brands because you type in what you're looking for and you want to make sure you, you, you find it. But if I look for a floral dress, someone has to present to me a selection and edit. For sure. What do you know about their loyalty? And um, are you doing anything to kind of um, nudge that along with a loyalty program or some special perks for your shoppers? Uh, maybe what do you know about their lifetime value? No, we, we we are very privileged. I mean, honored. I mean, after the second year of a customer relationship, we actually have close to 100% revenue retention each year of a cohort. So they come back and it's like a recurring revenue business, we always say, um, which is the result of some customers leaving, but the mo- the majority of customers staying and spending every year a bit more. What do we do for our best customers? Um, there are multiple things. Number one, any of our top customers has the offer to use a personal shopper, a person at My Teresa that helps them on styling, that helps them on getting things done uh, for ideas, um, but also just to make sure the product arrives at the location they want to, it to arrive. Our best customers are invited to um, money can buy experiences. So um, again, as an example, during Paris Fashion Week, we hosted a dinner together with Givenchy, where also Matthew, the creative director, was present. And so this is always a big treat for clients. Um, they love this because... Um, I mean, our clients have the means to have nice dinners, but meeting the creative director of, of Givenchy or also La, in October, we, uh, we had the privilege that Diego de la Valle and Andrea de la Valle, the family behind brands like Todd's, Hogan, Schiaparelli, they invited some of our top customers to dinner at their private estate in Italy. And again, um, these are treats for our best customers. And uh, finally, when there are shows, again, uh, hopefully larger shows than we were allowed to do, we, are there. we also invite them with tickets to the, to the runway shows of the big brands. So these are real perks, um, service, um, money can buy experiences. Um, this is where we try to um, really show that loyalty pays off. I mean, how fabulous. <laughs> I must say. <laughs> I'm like, I want that. Um, no, that sounds amazing. Um, but tell me about how your business model, I, I think that so, I know that some brands have been really, um, they maybe have become gun shy in signing on to a traditional wholesale model. I know that you've um, tried something or maybe yep. it's still in place called a curated platform model. What's happening there? 
No, that's a it's a very good question because we we have been traditionally wholesale, meaning we buy the product and then and then sell them. Um, we have now added a, 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 another model where the inventory ownership remains with the brand, which is a big big advantage because some of the big brands obviously have huge inventory pools that they shift between different channels. So they may sh ship certain items to stores, but see that certain items in one geography don't sell as well and they ship it around. So we wanted to have an, an, an a model where we are integrated into, now comes a buzzword, omni-channel uh, inventory management. But it really means the inventory belongs to the brand until we sell it. What is interesting about it, we still made it, very much curated. So even though it is inventory that the brand owns, we still curate it. So it's not automatically everything the brand has, which would be, again, not doing what we are best known for, trimming down, editing. And also another twist to, to this model is that it's inventory the brands own, but it sits actually in our warehouse, which is coming back from key customer interviews I mean, if you buy regularly and if you buy different brands, last thing you want is multiple shipments just because you bought three different brands with one order. So we make sure one order is one package and it gets to you as fast as we can in Europe, mostly next day, in the U.S. within two, three days, depending on your location in the U.S. And so it's owned by the brand, but we curate and we ship and we call it, another buzzword, curated platform model. I like it. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new model. It yes, is. Evolution. It evolution. is. <laughs> it is. Interesting. Um, tell me about your, I guess, the My Teresa team, because to me, um, I would guess that compared to other luxury online retailers, it's it sounds like it would be more heavily heavy on the creative side or the buyer side, as opposed to these tech uh, data scientist folks that I'm hearing from other companies. Um, how would you describe that balance? I mean, for the perfect experience for our top customers, you need everyone. I mean, I'm often asked, are you a luxury company? No. Are you a digital company? No. Are you an operations company? No. So what are we? We are a customer company. I mean, our the staff and colleagues in our warehouses are as important for satisfied customers than are the buying that are the buyers that are out and selecting or the creatives that design the beautiful shoots and videos or the techies that make sure the platform is as intuitively to be used. So we need everyone and it's it's a collective um it's a collective effort and, and I'm often asked I mean, how, how do you bring creatives, warehouse people and techies together? Aren't they very different? And they're absolutely different. And, and you have to bring them together and stir heavily and put a lot of energy into it. And then it mixes well. And in the end, the customer is the judge. The customer is the judge. We are very customer centric. Uh, we, we gather customer feedback every week. I personally read every week customer feedback because, um, that's where where the source of growth and profitability sits. It doesn't sit in any functional area, and 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 it's also um, it's not the CEO. It's the customer that counts. Yes. Well, speaking of the website and, and the creatives that they're seeing, um, 
has this changed? Have you added bells and whistles in the last year? Um, again, as as you, more customers have come your way, it seems like you already had some things like the stylist, maybe for your for your loyal customers. But um, anything new there in terms of technology or services? I mean, one you mentioned in the beginning, which is very important to me personally, also is our tie up with Vestia Collective. So we have now offered the service that um, typically resale is, is is customers love it, but it's very time consuming. I mean, you you need to describe the product, put it up on a platform, then you monitor pricing, you answer questions. Um, I mean. To be honest, that's not what our customers do in their life. They are very busy. They're very engaged. So we tied up with Vestia Collective and our customers have the service to, uh, in, with one photo and, and a sort of a drop down menu of describing the product, they get a quote within 48 hours. Um, if they accept the quote, they send the product to Vestia Collective. And then uh, within another 48 hours, they have the payment in the form of a MyTeresa store credit on their account. So uh, very easy, time-saving, time, time and which is also a very proud component, this is not only for bags, which many people do. We are also offering that for shoes and ready-to-wear because, to be honest, that's where a circular means even more in ready-to-wear because bags are often investment pieces and so uh, um, they're they are far less going out of fashion whereas with, with ready-to-wear um, you probably want to update your wardrobe much more often and so having that service uh, at the moment in Europe but we are we are we are starting to roll it out to other geographies uh, very much liked by our by our customers I must say we're gonna take a quick break stay with us to what extent is uh, sustainability um, leading your initiatives? Um, I know that, well, obviously Vestiaire, but I just recently did a story on luxury packaging, and that's ev- the evolution of that. Do you guys have specific, um, I guess, sustainability, sustainability goals in place for, for the next couple of years? We have. Um, I mean, we only got listed in January, so we are still in process of, of putting them together because it's also something that... Um, investors require. I mean, I always say, I mean, sustainability is a topic that is important to customers, investors, but also our teams. There's also internal demand for, look, what is the company I'm working for doing actually? And so we we have launched the, the Vestia partnership. We have uh, committed ourselves to being fur-free with the new uh, season that has already started, spring, summer 22. We have also put out our commitment with this current fiscal year to be carbon neutral. Um, and we have m- more targets and objectives and KPIs, and we will put it all together to be communicated in December. I mean, this is this is very important to customers. And I actually believe that the luxury trade has some aspects that 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 uh, need to be talked about. I mean, more many of our products are not for one season, but for many many seasons. I mean, they have they have been fabricated by some of the best factories in the world. They're they're with the fabrics and materials of of the highest quality. So uh, most of our products are manufactured in Europe. So under under also labor conditions that that. Um, are high standards, so 
there are th some things that we we want to talk about. Nevertheless, sending packages creates a carbon footprint, and and therefore we also uh, committed to climate neutrality, and and we have undergone uh, an audit, and uh, the audit has clearly shown that the biggest um, biggest source of carbon is of course the the, the shipping sending packages and it uh, if you if you buy from our platform and it is delivered to the US it is at the current prices of carbon offsetting it is something around 40 cents euro cents that uh, you need to invest in and we have committed to take that on as a company and we will also offer our customers to offset but that goes beyond what the company does anyway. So we don't ask customers to do our job, but some customers are want to do something also. And 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 these are things, I mean sustainability is a journey. There's there's no end state in this. Every year you need to be better and if you are better, then you you actually contribute already. For sure. Well, you mentioned that this is something that um investors care about since since going public in January. Um well I guess what else do you know about um, what they care about, and how is that that driving um, your future plans? I, I mean, investors care about the long term strategy. I mean, I, I which is great because um, you often hear stories they only care about the next three months. But I, I must say, our investors care. Are we doing the right things that the money they put into our company will bear returns? in the next five years. So um, it is not about, okay, what are you doing in the next three months, but are you putting the things in place to compete? Are you putting the play things in place that your brand partnerships will thrive? Uh, are you putting investments so that the US will grow faster? Are you putting investments that China will grow faster? These are the questions we get and, and, and they show they really want to understand what what's the long term prize that that my Teresa is after. Speaking of what are you putting in place, uh, some recent hires. Tell me about how that um, will impact the team itself. I mean, in, in we 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 have always served you as customers, but from afar, and and that only gets you so far. So as of June, we have hired uh, Heather. Kaminetsky is our president of North America. We have opened our own office in New York. We have hired personal shoppers on the ground that serve the U.S. Again, not serving U.S. clients from afar. We have um, hired people for events. We have, since Heather arrived, really intensified the amount of events. I mean, just since July, we have done two events in the Hamptons. We we have two weeks ago. The team spent a whole week in Los Angeles, where we we hosted clients at the Bel Air Hotel, but also we had a fantastic event at the Flamingo uh, Estate. We are preparing some very cool events also in Florida and Texas for next year. Um, things we didn't do before because you need local people, you need people on the ground. I mean, the, the team from 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 Europe can come once a year and do something, but ongoingly courting and 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 treating our customers as best as we can. This is and and just tomorrow night we will have another fantastic event with Athena Calderon in in her home in Brooklyn. So um, they're doing very well. Our teams. Definitely. Well, you have some things working to your advantage. Um, I would say 
of, of course, compared to your competitors. Um, one being, um, I think that being in the in Europe versus the UK um, is is working wonders. And also, I know. <laughs> Are you, my Teresa is profitable. Is that correct? We we talk a lot about <laughs> your competitors. Are they ever going to be profitable? But um, tell me about the state of the company there too. I mean, our, our company has sort of a history of growing each year 25, 30%. I mean, that's our historic trend. And we have always been profitable. I mean, we just, um, last fiscal year, we finished with 8.9% EBDA, which is a sort of a cash flow proxy for, for profitability. Um, I don't know about the others, but combining growth with profitability is, is a unique, um, is a unique characteristic. And, and I believe, um, this helps to focus. I think having the ambition to be profitable focuses you on the most important thing and also signals to the brands. I mean, we are in here for the long run. I mean, the, the luxury brands really don't care about one season. They they have very long-term visions about what the brand has and they want to have stable partners, partners that are not driven by just short-term um, financial objectives. And so being profitable and one important part of being profitable is to be very, very focused on full price sales. Um, I, I mean, sales, markdowns, promotions, um, they are, of course, sometimes great for, for customers, but we are selling luxury products and they're such amazing products and, and the, the brand equity that these maisons and houses have created over sometimes centuries should, should not be devastated in, in, in one Black Friday uh, bonanza. And so we have always taken the, the position that um, it is luxury. It has its price because it has its value. Well, speaking of Black Friday, tell me about your holiday uh, marketing strategy. Um, what does that entail? I mean, our holiday uh, marketing strategy, of course, there are fall winter season sale, which uh, for many brands start around uh, early December. Um, because again, you don't want to have fall winter products already on sale in October when, I mean, it's, it's still the season, but holiday season for us is also again, understanding what are the occasions? What are the occasions that our customers are looking for? Are they looking for ski wear because they're preparing their ski trip? Are they looking for, uh, resort, uh, swimwear? Kaftans because they're preparing for the for the trip down to Tulum, or just gowns, dresses because some very important parties are coming up. So for us, thinking about seasons is is not just looking at the sale calendar. It's really looking what are our customers thinking? Are they looking for boots because it's cold now, or are they already looking for the cool new summer? heels and slides and sandals because they are coming now out. I mean, spring, summer, we have already 30% of deliveries are from spring, summer. So what matters to our customers is key. Yes. Well, how is this being gift guides? I, I'm wanting to know, I guess, your balance of of content on the site, on, on social media platforms. Um, is content uh, an increasing focus for you in terms of, yeah, marketing creatives and I don't know anything outside of even catalogs. What's the content strategy? No, I mean content is important because content is inspiration, and and so. But we always took the stance: 
it needs to be very product focused. I mean, no one goes to my Teresa to, to learn about the childhood of a designer. I mean, there are better, better platforms to serve that need. And there is a need for that. But, um, gift guides, um, we have our festive season catalog up. So on the woman's side, you can find gifts for him. On the men's side, you can find gifts for her. But also, I mean, what are the best bags already for the next season? And also, every time we launch capsules and exclusives, we try to accompany it with digital campaigns. So we launched uh, the Rainbow Collection from Christian Louboutin with an augmented reality campaign. We launched some exclusive styles from Montclair with a virtual tour of a museum in the Tyrolean Alps. Very funky, I must say. Um, we, 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 we accompanied the, um, launch of the Gucci Jackie bag on our platform with four interviews from, uh, different women, different, uh, women of different works of life. And, and they talked about their first Jackie bag and what the, what it mattered for them. And, and so these are also entertaining content, but inspirational. I mean, in the end, Online shopping is also about uh, saving time, being convenient. So a lot of this content has to play well in 30, 45 seconds, not longer. I mean, if you if you if you want to watch something, you go to Netflix. If you want to buy luxury, you come to My Teresa. I hope. So, Michael, menswear. You launched men's. My Teresa launched men's in early 2020. Uh, we've reported a lot about kind of the growth of the menswear market and how that was outpacing women's for a long time. What has been your experience? Well, we had a great experience over the last uh, almost two years now. Um, we were, of course, latecomers to the game. I mean, my Teresa for many, many years was women's wear only. Um, but that gave us also a chance because I believe we hit the market when there was actually a transition from the very successful streetwear styling phenomena to a more dressed, matured, what's next after street style. Um, and, uh, uh, this is also the positioning we took. We launched therefore with exclusive capsules from Tom Brown, from Valentino, from, from Saint Laurent to make that position and, and are continuously stressing that with, uh, capsule launches from Gucci, capsule launches from Tom Ford, not to be in the classic position because fashion never goes back, but sort of what's the next evolution. And we have seen, very nice traction. Um, 85% of our male menswear customers are pure menswear customers. They don't buy, buy anything else on My Teresa, which tells us it's a new audience. It's really reconverted people that only come for menswear. And uh, we have uh, quickly achieved a 10% share of the business last year um, and growing ever since. And it is growing faster. It also is... Uh, a market even more interesting outside Europe, the US and Asia are very strong in luxury menswear. And so um, we are super happy. We, we, of course, continuously refine our positioning to be as curated and unique as we are in women's wear. Tell me about this evolution of streetwear. Is it, It's a more dressed up look is where things are going. Uh, that's absolutely what we see. For example, um, then the new the new sneaker is the loafer. 
I mean, we're not going back to dress shoes, of course, but the loafer, comfortable, but you can, you can combine it. You can feel dressed, uh, uh, Loro Piana loafer or a Gucci loafer, uh, Tots has, has a little comeback. So that is more dressed, but then also, uh, it's not full, full suits, but a jacket, a more tailored, um, knitwear, not too baggy. Um, I mean, this is what we see. And then, a really nice bag business from Sac de Jour of Saint Laurent to totes from Gucci beyond just backpacks, which we had from for a long time. Very cool. Well, I hear a lot from brands and retailers that launch men's um, that the approach is to got market to the wife or the girlfriend, market to the female shopper and in order to uh, earn that menswear business. But it sounds like you have these exclusively, like you said, male shoppers. How did you reach them? How did you um, market to them? How did you earn that business? Well, there could still be a woman in the background. We don't know. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but um, no, we, of course, in the beginning leveraged our sort of uh, visibility as a luxury um, business. But this is where sort of these brand collaborations happen, uh, help a lot. So when we launched uh, the Gucci capsule, I think five months into our menswear business, largest menswear capsule Gucci ever did, we combined it with a music video. Um, all the, all the band members dressed fully in Gucci. And, and that gives you, of course, visibility on, on, on social channels. And then people are intrigued and, 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 and stumble on to you, find you, uh, the, the capsule collection from Tom Ford reviving some of the elegant, elegant chic and coolness from the eighties, uh, is another way, of course, because, um, it is in the end product, which, which brings customers to us, but unique product, well, uh, curated product and then also product that some others may not stock. So Driesman's wear or Tom Brown, which has a great reputation in the US, but in Europe or in Asia, people are either diehard fans or don't understand it yet. So, so these are the things that bring us, um, bring us on the radar screen of fashionable men. Right on. Well, private label by Teresa's aspirations there. I know a lot of your competitors have gone there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? We are not sure that this will work for us. Um, we are a platform where you find luxury products from famous brands with heritage, with history, with stories. Um, so there's always more than just a fantastic product. And an own label can, of course, be a fantastic product. But um, I don't think we maybe never, maybe not in the near term, have the right to say a Gucci cashmere jacket uh, or, 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 or jumper um, is something where we want to compete with a My Teresa cashmere jumper. I mean, I think we should stick to, to the emotional values of, of true luxury for now at yeah. least. Yeah, it seems like you guys know what you're great at and <laughs> um, kind of staying in your lane. Um, tell me about physical retail. Um, is there a crossover there with pop-ups, um, activations, uh, maybe stores in the cards? 
I mean, we have a very big spot in our heart for, for physical retail. We, we, the business started as a boutique in 1987 in Munich. The boutique still exists. So it's the nicest women's wear luxury boutique there is, of course. And, and, and when we launched menswear in, in, in 20, we also launched a menswear boutique next to it here in Munich. But for now, this, is definitely the only real retail operations that we will start. Um, I mean, retail is a tough business. And if, 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 if in, in Munich, we are privileged, we have the perfect location. But every time you go outside to new cities, uh, you need to find those locations. Pop-up, uh, pop-up are, are very interesting. I, I truly believe that to convert customers that have never shopped on My Teresa, some physical presence, some physical interaction is, is key. Our personal shoppers often organize styling suites uh, in different cities. So um, they have been to LA recently. They have done a styling suite in New Jersey, uh, in New York, of course. Uh, we did a, a event at Troutback. So uh, already a styling suite is, is a great opportunity to meet and touch and, and, and pop-ups um, definitely on, on, on the roadmap. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about this um, Munich store and boutique. In what way does it, I guess, um, is it a perfect representation of what you're doing online? What, what's the, um, I guess, is there, are there bells and whistles beyond just a sales, a sales floor? Well, it, it, it is a business and a concept in its own right, because of course, the, the breadth of offer that we have online, you cannot put into a 1,200 square meter box, but um it is true luxury. We have a great representation of, of fantastic luxury products. It is accessible in the sense that we are multi-brand. We have the, the Celine Gucci Prada Valentino, but also we have uh, a lower ground with the likes of Joan Ortiz or Zimmerman or Alanui or Jacques Mus. So we, we cover the breadths and it's, it's always fantastic to see that uh, mothers and daughters come in one goes up, the other one goes down, and both find a fantastic product. And the menswear uh, store is the same logic. Of course, we cater to streetwear fanatics with who want a Balenciaga bomber or or uh, some Gucci sneakers or McQueen sneakers. But also, we have the more mature customer, and mature has nothing to do with age, but the mature customer that wants a Dolce Gabbana coat or a Celine suit. So. I think it's always nice to see that it's it's not for young or old. It's 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 obviously. I mean, you need the means to buy it, so that's true. But um, it is it is a beautiful store, and I invite everyone come to Munich. It's a beautiful city, but often definitely check out the store. <laughs> yes, you make me want to go shopping. Um, I'm sold. Um, what can you tell me about 2022 expectations to come out of the company? Um, more, more of your your secret sauce here, or any anything unexpected. Well, I mean, obviously, just delivering the secret sauce takes a lot of effort, and and we truly hope that twenty two is a bit back to normal. Uh, we have a fantastic lineup for physical events for the first uh, half uh, in 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 Asia, in Europe, in the US. We hope 
that none of those will be canceled due to health risk. We have a fantastic lineup of of um, of capsules launches. We will again do a pop up with a beauty skincare brand, which will be unexpected but lovely. Um, we will also bring on some uh, more hardware home and decoration trials because we we really want to be the go-to for lifestyle in luxury, um, attract even a bigger share of wallet from our existing customers. Um, that's 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 our, at least our aspiration. I mean, the customer decides in the end whether they they give us that additional share, and and we of course um, really work hard to be even more present in the U.S. in terms of a household name and. And also in, in, in China. I mean, these are the two air regions, continents, whatever you call it, where we see fantastic growth opportunities for a business like my Teresa. And we have now a team on the ground. We have an office in New York. We're hiring personal shoppers. Um, because the website is fantastic, but we do believe physical touch points, physical presence, your point about a pop-up, uh, does make a difference if you are still relatively unknown. Right on. Well, that makes sense to me. Excited to follow all you're doing and to see more of my Teresa in 2022. Thanks so much, Michael, for being here. Thanks so much for your time. I really loved our little chat. Same here. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.